0: Lord, as we come now to open Your Word, we do ask that in Your hearts, through Your Holy Spirit, You would cause us to indeed surrender all to be open to what You have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. We're back in the book of Matthew today. And uh, before I get to the verses that I have for today, which would be chapter eighteen verses one through six, just a a little review and I'm not <laughs> we'll just go back to chapter one and do a quick review no uh but just a a verses uh chapter sixteen and seventeen are really important as they precede today's message that uh just a bit of a reminder of what went on there. first off was in chapter sixteen uh, verses twenty one through twenty three Jesus gives the first announcement of His death and His resurrection, speaking of the cross and what was to come. And, uh, you know, Peter's, uh, had an objection. We call, you know, you might even remember the sermon on it, but uh, the, you know, Peter's saying, no, no, you know, that's not the way it's going to work. And, and, uh, Jesus actually having to rebuke him and then basically coming up with verses 24 through 28, that in order to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. And they didn't grasp all that was being said there, but Jesus was laying the framework for what ultimately they would understand as to what it would mean to follow after Jesus Christ. And in chapter 17, verses 1 through 13, and the most amazing part of Scripture uh, to me is the Mount of Transfiguration, where James and John and, and Peter were went with Jesus up the mountain, and and there was Moses and Elijah, and 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 Jesus in all his glory, and they beheld this, and they were in awe, and you know Peter saying, you know maybe do, do we need to build some some places for you to rest, uh, you know what do we need to do here, and then coming down off of that uh, experience. Uh, Down into Jesus uh, delivering a uh, a demonic uh, possessed child, and then uh, you know Jesus again speaking in verses twenty two through twenty three of his death and his resurrection. Verses twenty two of chapter seventeen, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, "The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men." And they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day and they were greatly distressed. And so, this all comes just before what happens here in chapter 18. And so, chapter 18 we come up to, uh, the, the first verse there. It says, At this time the disciples came to Jesus saying, and before I get into that, the, is this picture that uh, in, in the course of time, in the course of events that have just uh, have occurred, as that has happened, uh, at, the, the, at this time, the disciples come to Jesus saying, who is the greatest? And as they're saying this, you get the idea that they're, they're initiating this. But if you add Mark and Luke into the picture and, and read a, a full account of the Gospels together, you realize that they had been arguing about this along the path as they were talking. And Jesus understood what they were talking about, even though he wasn't included in the discussion. And so he confronts them, and this is their response: they and well, and they you know they 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 ask Jesus, you know, well, this is what we're discussing. And and the interesting thing is 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 what they're discussing is who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And and it to me is 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 I guess mind-boggling that in the last two chapters Jesus has spoken twice of his of his death and his resurrection he has spoken of you know of of uh, uh the idea of, of 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 who he is and that you have to you know deny yourself to follow me pick up your cross deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me and now they're trying to discuss amongst themselves who's going to be the most important in your kingdom and uh you know, some of the uh, commentators are saying, why at this point in time are they discussing it? Well, this isn't the only time they discuss it. They're going to discuss it again at least two more times. Okay? And who knows if they maybe haven't discussed it amongst themselves prior to this. But, you know, Peter, James, and John came down off the mount with Jesus. It was a special trip. We're, Maybe there's some competitive jealousy going on here because they were arguing, it says in, in Mark. They, were, they, they weren't just talking about it. They were arguing. And the idea of arguing in, in the way it's put together is, is that thought of saying, no, I think it's me. And so they put it to Jesus. They said, now, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And this tells us something that's important to grasp with the disciples because what they're asking is who's going to have the key positions in your kingdom, Jesus? And so they're looking at an earthly political kingdom here on, you know, here and now, very soon in the future. And so they want to know, and I put it into terms of, of maybe uh, today's positions of Who's going to be the, the secretary of state? Who's going to be, uh, the treasurer? Who's going to be, you know, and, and go down the list? Who, who, if Jesus, you know, obviously Jesus is in charge. He is the king. He is the messiah. They've acknowledged that. They're not, that they're not slacking in that part. But they're thinking, they're missing the point of what Jesus is trying to get to in reference to how his kingdom is and how different his kingdom is from any earthly kingdom that they have ever seen. And so uh they they're you know, I, I one one person said they're trying to figure out who's going to be the CEO, the C O O and the C F O, and I'm trying to think of, oh, that's too many initials for me. Uh but what will be our positions as we come alongside you in your kingdom, Jesus? That's what they want to know. And it's interesting that this is something that they're debating among themselves so they're trying to figure out who's going to have the most power over the others who's going to be in in other words if if you have a prime minister versus a a treasurer versus a kind of a secretary of state versus whatever who's going to be the the most important uh and so as they look at this earthly political kingdom that they have in their mind uh you you know You look at how they see Jesus. Yes, He is the King of kings. Yes, He is the Messiah. But He is here to kick out Rome and establish the the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And there would be lots of important jobs. Who was going to have the best ones? Now, before I get into the rest of these verses, I, I, I come in with a side note. And... I have to come at this in, in probably a more personal way, but I think I, I'm identifying what most of us really are in our heart. And, I, and when I say that, I'm not talking about our spiritual being, but in our fallen nature. We are independent creatures, we want to be in charge. Now I was told that it was important, and, and the word was actually, you know, you know, to be the captain of your ship, or the commander of your destiny. Uh, if if you don't look out for yourself, who will? Uh, you know, don't be. You know, if you're not looking after yourself and, and, and taking the steps, people are gonna just trot all over you. You need to be fiercely independent my dad and many of my college instructors basically said your future is what you make it I remember my you know when I moved in to live with my my uh, biological dad I was uh, a sophomore in high school uh, my my grades were questionable prior to to coming to to live with him as as was a lot of other things and that was the reason why I was going to live with him and um, I came home from he dropped me off at the high school on, uh, on registration morning before school started the week before school, and I came home with him and he said, "Well, let me see your class schedule." and I showed it to him, and it was kind of like you know, shop one, two, and three and, and, and basic math and remedial reading and uh, he. I can't use his explanatives, but he basically said, How do you expect to get into college with these these courses? And I'm sitting there saying, You know, college? <laughs> you know, that wasn't even a part of my vocabulary, and I still have a rough time spelling it. And, and so, you know, it's, he's saying, You know, you've got to have this. He said, If, he was so insistent that, that the idea was, You need to have this as a tool to determine your future. He says there's nothing worse than being a, and this was the way he put it, a, a service station attendant or a garbage collector if that's all you can be. If you want to be, that's fine. Now, it turns out that wasn't really the case because several of the things I wanted to be after I got my college education, he thought I was throwing my college education away. But but the idea was is that you have to do all of this. You have to to work, to strive, to make yourself all that you can be so that you can have all the good stuff. And that's nothing new. Uh, and it was, I think, the case among the disciples as well. They're on the inner circle. They know they're the inner circle. The other people around them uh, know that there's a, a, a specific group that Jesus calls to Him periodically to be apart from the rest. And even three, a, a, a part of, a part apart, you know, from the rest. And so, uh, this idea was is that, you know, we we want to be in control. So I put myself here, I want to be in control. I want, I want the good stuff. I want to, to have say and, 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 and be in charge. So I come back to this, you know, this, my philosophy was I'm the captain of my ship. I'm the commander of my destiny, fiercely independent. There's a reality that doesn't equate with that from a biblical perspective. We've already gone over these verses uh, back in the beginning of of Matthew when we were going through the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, we have... Jesus talking about, uh, your Bible may have a caption uh, subtitle, The Golden Rule. And in verse 12 of chapter 7 it says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And then he makes something very clear. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. He only talks about two roads to travel. You're either on the road to life or you're on the road to destruction. He makes it really clear that the road to destruction is the broader path more people will be on that path. It's the easier path to get on and stay on. The road to uh, life is a narrow gate and the idea of a narrow gate is, is that you have to be very targeted and go through in a, in a very specific way, in a, in a narrow path. And we all I, I probably, you probably know, preaching to the choir here this morning, but the idea of, of the, the story of, of Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan and, and going through the wicket, not wicked, wicket gate, and and onto the narrow path and up to the cross. You know, these are the, 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 the pictures that Jesus is drawing together, that Matthew is drawing from, to point to the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. And so, we have the disciples doing the same thing that man has done all through history, and that is, I want to do it my way. I want to be the captain of my soul. I want to be, in a sense, my own God. Where does that take us? Right to Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve. This is nothing new. It kind of surprises me that this is the attitude of the disciples after being with Jesus this long, experiencing His miracles, being around His teachings, hearing the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you know the idea of that—that you, know, that you must deny yourself and pick up your cross and all the things that he has said. So it is obvious that their culture and what their expectations were from their upbringing, clear—you know—all through their lives was still dominant in their thinking. The cultural thought was the Messiah is going to come and kick out Rome and establish the kingdom. The Jewish scribes and Pharisees were teaching that and And so that's what they were looking for. and Jesus, you know, as they're walking you know along they they're saying, we're going to be so it's going to be so awesome because we're' we're, we're here we we're going we're in a sense arriving at the top here now. Right after this verse here in verse 1, at the time the the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Mark also adds to this, one who leads must be a servant of all. Okay, And then we come back to where we pick up in in chapter 18. So Jesus keeps emphasizing this idea of you need to deny yourself and be a servant. And so let's pick up here at at, at verse 2 in chapter 18. And calling to him a child, Jesus put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So the idea is... Who, you, know, how do, you, know, you have to humble yourself as a child. He calls a child out of the and, and actually becomes a, a physical object lesson in a sense. And, and he says, I say this to you. And he, he says, truly I say to you, which is always that emphasis of, of I want you to pay attention to this. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a rather strong statement. We spend a lot of time talking about Jesus' love for the children and that's a definitely true picture. But we miss this part. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven if you don't come as, as a child. And so I think it's really important to understand what it is we're looking at as a childlike attitude. And what it is, you know, unless we turn, and it's the idea of turn from what? Because the word is can be used in a sense, in some translations actually say converted. Um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's not the, the term transformation that Jesus asks for in like metamorphosis. You know uh, and, and the idea of born again so it's it, we want to be careful that we, we don't read into this and, and keep it in context. What are we to turn from? the idea of what the culture says is true versus what God says is true. I really think that's the emphasis here. Turn from the way you are thinking right now, you guys, who's the greatest and think like a child and you' and, and I'm thinking, there's so much that comes to my mind. I think of my own childhood. <laughs> uh, I think of, of, of raising my own children. I think of all the times I've been in children's ministry. And as much as I've, time as I've spent in ministry, I've spent a lot of years in children's ministries. And and I have to tell you, when he says "come as a child," I've I've read some interesting pictures of the innocence the, naive, the, the 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 how naive and and and, and you know in kind of the idea of gentle and i'm thinking whoa i i i i missed something here because i know that kids from a very early age are selfish whiny want to do it their way and talk about fiercely independent okay so Am I, you know, am I supposed to come as a child, i.e., whiny and, 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 so obviously we're not to come as childish. There's something unique about children that he's looking for, and there was a way of understanding a child in the culture of the Hebrew culture. A child had no rights. He was basically at the mercy of dad. And he knew it. It doesn't mean that he didn't strive to manipulate, do his own thing, uh, throw a fit, go here, go there, do what. But the idea was that he had no rights. He had a total dependence for survival on his father. And to tell an adult that he had to no longer have the all the things. I mean, think about it. Even in our culture, we told you know we tell someone we want you to go back to your childhood rights after they just got their driver's license. You know, okay, no more driving or whatever. Uh, you know, it's mind-boggling what he's saying here. Unless you come like a child, change the way you are thinking and come back to a totally dependent. I'm the Father. What needs to change? their perception of the kingdom of heaven. their perception of what was going on. The, the, how the culture had influenced them. And even the lordship of Christ. And, 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 uh, and it was going to be a struggle for them to do this. It's, and, it's, and it's going to continue. Like I said, this isn't the last time that they're going to debate this. Uh, James and John and their mom is going to interfere and try to say, which one's going to sit on your right and your left? You know, can we establish that here and now? You know, uh, and, and even at the Last Supper, there's a, a debate. There, there needs to be a change of the way they see the Kingdom of Heaven and, and, and the Lordship of Christ. And I, In fact, this is a struggle with them until Pentecost. Until Acts chapter Two, until the Holy Spirit falls in the establishment of, the, of of the church that day, because in acts one six just before Jesus ascends, still they are asking now Jesus, are we going to go back into Jerusalem implication kick out Rome and establish your kingdom they needed the The indwelling of the Holy Spirit to pull this together. And then all of a sudden, all the things that Jesus had taught, He said all these things will come back to remembrance through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and you'll be able to put it together. And the the attitude changed about what the Kingdom of Heaven would be and and the Lordship of Christ meant. And they realized that to be a leader in the church wasn't to be the one who lorded it over people, but the one who washed the feet. Jesus showed them that. But they hadn't quite got it. So whoever humbles himself, lowers himself, gives up his rights in a sense, and becomes like this child, dependent. So opposite the world view. But then that's the, the way the kingdom of God is. Paul gives us an interesting picture in Romans chapter 12. He says, "Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. In other words, I am my my striving is to to give you in a sense more honor than than you have given me, and 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 we want to be careful that we don't get into a Uh, you know, that idea, and and we make jokes about it, uh, from an, from an Asian culture or an Oriental culture, which this was part of, where some people will acknowledge somebody and the other person will acknowledge and they're, they're continually acknowledging each other. And, and there's, there's, but there is that sense of, I, I, I want to pay you honor. We need to have that desire to honor someone else greater than ourselves, even, not just Christ but our brothers and sisters within Christ. He says, uh, Paul writes, don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. All of these pictures are ideas of what it is to serve one another. So opposite again the world view the world is, is view is basically what can i get and the christian view is thank you lord for what i have how do you want me to give it we're going through a book in uh in the elders group uh on on uh, uh mercy uh written by uh, uh, uh tim Keller. and it is. It is. It's challenging. It's just. It's challenging uh, in the sense of saying how how are we to look at ourselves and our lifestyles and if we have resources how we're to commit them to the Lord and and uh, it's uh, this idea of being humble and, and and others first is something that is not. Natural to us to want to do. So we are to come like a child, not childish, immature, or selfish, but dependent on the Father for everything. Again, the opposite of me first. And then Jesus goes on in verse 5 of chapter 18 of Matthew. He says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. He's not talking about little children at this point. He's talking about people who have become like a child. You receive them, you have received me. And it goes back to another principle that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount and and then again comes up in... And Matthew 25, when you've done this unto the least of these, you've done it unto Me. All of this pointing to give of yourself to others as you see the need. Cause So receive... One such child, such child meaning the ones that like those who come to to understand the Lord this way. You're receiving me, and then he puts a definite but here in contrast. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me, again we're talking in the context. Little ones, meaning those who have come and to the point where they are like a child in Christ. Little ones who believe in me to sin. It would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, that again is a very harsh picture. Now. That's not a picture of judgment. He's saying that instead of doing that to a believer, leading them astray, it would be better for you if this happened to you. That kind of overwhelms me then. What is judgment? If I, you know, if this is better that I hadn't done this thing that to have happen. By the way, this picture of a millstone is a, a large millstone, a giant millstone. It's the one that you see in the pictures, especially of the kids. You're, if you have children, they've probably come home with them more than once. A uh, picture of the donkey pulling you know, the, 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 the millstone around and, 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 and grinding. It's that size of a millstone. There were various size millstones. And this had a strap on it and a, and a, and, and a, and a latch on the other side. And it would open up, it could be moved and it could and and replaced. And the idea is to have that put around your neck and strapped closed and then have you dropped into the into the ocean. And I don't know why you can go over the verse so many times and not really give it any thought. But Jesus doesn't say, you know. Believer or non-believer causing someone to stumble. He just says the, the person who causes a believer to stumble. And it made me think back the amount of times that I mocked people who were witnessing and sharing the Lord with me, including friends who had become Christians. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, does that have an application here in some way? And I'm thinking, I think what Jesus is saying is, how, does, how do you picture this, Bob? If, if, if you are held accountable for what you have caused people to do and to stumble... Amazing thing to start thinking about. I won't know this experience because of God's grace, but the reality is how important it is. Am I am I on a dead battery? Or yeah. Can, can we? We just we were debating over. we didn't know how much longer the sermon was, and we wanted to. <laughs> I'm almost done. I didn't want to cause you to yeah. sin and have a millstone around my yeah, neck. <laughs>